This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, what I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. again everybody welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah we got some really fun things to talk about today um some news that i want to i'm not really actually there's really no news um unless you want to count goku maybe possibly getting new powers and all this stuff i'll maybe talk about that a little bit but we also have uh my thoughts on last week's first episode of batwoman we also got to talk about what's happening in wandavision as well but in our talk topic today we will be talking about batman solo the dragon the latest dc animated film to come out celebrating all that is the 70s and more in particular enter the dragon and just a little bit of big trouble little china so we'll be talking about all of that in this episode but for now let's not waste any time let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. Alright folks, so let's run down the list of really new things that have happened in 2021 so far. Uh, let's start, what can we start? We got a new president now, you know, that's a big deal. We have uh, a whole new Senate, you know, for the first time in a long time, you know, history making Senate now, uh, Democrats has taken over the Senate. And just last night, Conor McGregor got knocked out by Dustin Poirier. 
I would say 2020 is definitely being swept away, <laughs> if not the last four years. But even more now, uh, it has been said by comicbook.com, reportedly, and according to them, because they've been keeping up with what's going on in the world of Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball Super is teasing a new power for Goku in the recent uh, volumes of Shonen Jump. They actually have Goku perfecting his Ultra Instinct. And I, I, if you're a Dragon Ball fan, you really aren't, shouldn't be surprised at this. I, I'm not surprised at all because they keep evolving Goku. And I've said it before, the entire premise of Dragon Ball, of the entire Dragon Ball uh, series and sagas is evolving. If you look at it, like you have Goku who started out as a kid he became a teenager and he became an adult and then he got married and then he had kids and then those kids grew up and then they had kids and they just keep they just keep going but along the way goku keeps evolving his form his power and he keeps ever training so i mean the positive to this is always keep evolving and i've always liked that but there are times i'm thinking like how every in in real in the real world everybody has a limit everybody has a limit i mean look conor mcgregor just got knocked out and i've noticed not the first time that he got that he lost a fight uh he lost to mayweather he lost to nate diaz but you know i think this may be actually it for him uh in, in the sense of he's not going to make the money that he's used to making anymore and he's already got other ventures going on so um i think this might be it for him in in terms of fighting i don't know i mean if he keeps fighting it's only gonna it happened to a lot of fighters who just kept going like anderson silva i one of my one of the greatest of all time and one of my all-time favorites um he kept going and i don't want to say it it deterred his legacy but whenever you got somebody who like um just keep going like the Iceman, it, it, and they keep losing after this illustrious record and win you gotta stop you know but in the world of dragon ball goku can get beat all he want but you know akira toriyama and the writers of dragon ball super can keep writing him that he's going to keep evolving and getting better and more powerful and in a sense probably even more scarier because he's becoming a god and they don't want to say that he's a god but he's a god at this point <laughs> so in the comic and the manga he actually perfected ultra instinct which is awesome because you know dragon ball super and the tournament of power was just a tease of that and i really did want to see him do much more with it and it looks like we are seeing that now so whether this will be in an anime form that's you know that's to be said but he is he has perfected it and he's coming up with all these new techniques and everything now but also uh according to barris in one of the books um he hinted that Ultra Instinct may not be the only thing out there that he can achieve. So it looks like they're teasing an entirely new uh, power that he's going to be coming, which means also it's going to bring an entirely new threat. So it's this is very interesting. Um, I got to catch up. I actually do have a subscription to Shonen Jump. And if this is the case, I am interested in seeing where this goes. So do expect me to, to be talking about this on on a later date as i start to venture back into uh the manga world of dragon ball from there so it's very interesting very very interesting um the other news speaking of comics we're going to go to the american side of comics but also the live action side of it all i want to talk about the first episode of batwoman 
the season two of Batwoman, which technically is just an entire rewrite of the series. And a lot of us was wondering how they were going to do this, how they were going to make this happen, how were they were going to um, change from played by Ruby Rose to this new person, uh, Ryan Wilder, uh, played by Javisa uh, Leslie. How are they going to transition this? What's the story here? You know, because she, you know, Ruby Rose is not coming back. That, And it was so evident in this episode. I mean, she was mentioned. Kate Kane was mentioned. Oh, she was mentioned. All right. But, you know, not even a word of her voice or a sight of her, you know, pic- well, they did show one side of her and and what was it and and the papers or whatever like that when her father picked up the paper or whatever but i gotta give it to greg berlanti and the the crew once again because they managed to get them dig themselves out of a hole and unfortunately doing so by killing off kate kane in the most craziest way because you gotta think she's only been in the she's only been the been in the uh arrowverse for a season also, you got to add on to the fact that she was a part of Crisis on Infinite Earth, and she was a major part of Crisis on Infinite Earth, like literally a big, big part. And she went through all of that, of all of the events of Crisis on Infinite Earth, you, like just cosmic, cosmic threat, only to ironically die in a plane crash and legitimately die in a plane crash. I I was I was blown away. Like we were watching it, I was watching it in the um, and I was also you know we were having our talk time discussion uh, for it on our ACMG Facebook group, and people were just people were shocked. Like not in a bad way, they weren't disappointed, but it, like you had to do something, and didn't know they were gonna kill her off or do whatever. I it was I, it was almost like yeah, what other way could she could they have done this? Um, but she died in a plane crash as in, in reason being for her being on a plane was that she was trying to return the kryptonite stone. And unfortunately there was a plane crash that happened. She was in there. The only thing that was left was the Batgirl suit. It was a Batwoman suit, which if you got to think a lot of people in a, in a group, a lot of our ACMG members was thinking nobody no we we can't say she's dead and that's a there's a lot of truth to that however how the hell do you call yourself being you not not dead but not also taking the batwoman costume because you would if you're kate kane and they kate kane the kate kane character is not an idiot it is absolutely not an idiot so she would not have left that the suit with her this suit, which, according to everybody in the in that first episode, made it seem like it was built by Tony Stark, like it made them invincible. No, it's just more like a over a glorified SWAT suit at best. <laughs> I mean, it had some some tech in there, but like, it, it's it's not a Stark Industries, you know, or, you know, suit or whatever. But she would have taken that suit. So I think she is actually, well, she has to be because again, Kay Kane is not coming back. So, or Ruby Rose, I should say, is not coming back. They went with this. She wind up 
having the actual uh, suit. She found the suit. She was at the wreckage. And and I'm saying she as in Ryan Wilder. Ryan Wilder is portrayed as a a person, a, a, a person who been through a, a lot of tough times. She's been an orphan throughout her life. She's been uh, in from house to house and place to place and, you know, can never really get really in, 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 in a loving situation and loving family situation with anybody else. She had her mother, who unfortunately was murdered by, of all people, Alice, Kate's sister. So there's the connection there. And when she finds out that Alice was the one doing it, and I, you know, coincidentally, she's the one that found the Batwoman um, suit, it became a thing. It just, it definitely became a thing. You had um, Mary Hamilton, you know, who is still working, who was working with Kate Kane, and you had Luke Fox that were, you know, monitoring uh, Kate through the whole time. And they, you know, found her at a gps and they couldn't find her vital signs or whatever like that so they kind of really put two and two together and saying that she yeah she died and they didn't want to believe it but it was unfortunately true when they found and tracked the suit it was in the hands of ryan wilder who already who fit who it fit perfectly on um she wasn't trying to get rid of the suit just yet and she wanted to you know get some revenge you know wearing the suit and putting on the uh cape and cow what I loved about this and what really, I think, drawn us into the Ryan Wilder character is the scene where she kind of gives her like monologue speech as to why she's wearing the suit and why she's not giving it up just yet. And it, I think at that point in time, it allowed us to really know who Ryan Wilder is. And I loved it because it felt like it was a real moment for her where she started talking about like how you know our community the black community has been going through all hell and you know we don't have a hero and all in all these different types of things and the speech was awesome that moment was awesome and a lot of people on the acmg group and myself included was like okay i'm convinced she is she can officially be the new batwoman i'm liking what they're doing with her i like where this is going and i, I you know they they did a great job i mean you also had uh sophia or Sophie, I should say, um, in here as well with Julia. And this was an interesting thing because Julia and uh, Sophie are kind of an item, but she kind Julia kind of Julia Pennyworth, who's Alfred's niece or daughter or whatever like that. Um, Julia kind of knows that Sophie still has feelings for Kate, and Kate has feelings for her, and it somehow some way they got into this um this search for uh kate to see if she was still alive along with her father uh jacob uh to see if you know she, the body with where the remains of the body or whatever like that and they at the end i don't think they i, I don't remember if they found a body or anything but they did find a note from kate that was for sophie and julia kind of knew what this was and i think at this point it kind of broke them up I, I they didn't say the date uh, that sophie and julia was separated but it kind of led on to that idea because julia left didn't wasn't there to allow to let sophie read the, um the letter in front of her but it was true kate uh kate announced her love for sophie and she said if she got this letter that that means that she wasn't 
uh, alive anymore. And she revealed that she was Batwoman. So that was also an indication that Kate Kate is gone. The other one was when Alice met up with her father, Jacob uh, Kane, and uh, also revealed that Kate was Batwoman and and helped him put two and two together. So there's a lot of what this episode did was it, it became a closure to Kate Kane's uh, chapter of her life. And we're going to start a whole new one. And I thought they did a fantastic job doing this. Um, you know, credit to all of the writers and the director of this episode. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect and, and no stretch, but I think they did a great job. I just thought that the irony of Kate Kane going through all the cosmic hell of crisis on infinite earth and then just dying from just one lowly plane crash just like life just sucks <laughs> in this case so I, I i enjoyed it very much um i'm still a fan of the series and i'm even more intrigued now that we have this new character in here and see how she's going to develop this character indeed so I'm looking forward to it. it. This is Sunday that you're hearing this from. So tonight is going to be a brand new episode. I, I can't wait to see the other uh, characters and the new crossover, whatever they're going to make from this and see how they intertwine with this. We got the new Superman and Lois coming soon. Uh, new episode, the last season of uh, Supergirl. We got the Flash coming. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Green Arrow and, and, and the Canaries uh will not be they canceled that i think that sucks um, unfortunately but because i was really looking forward to seeing that new cast which they developed really well during the last season of arrow so it, it's it's unfortunate but um how we'll see what, what happens with that we'll see so um other and probably last bit of news i want to talk about right now is my thoughts on wandavision last week because things picked up I mean, picked up all those impatient people with their short attention span and their short attention society people. The one thing that we need to do in this new era of, of our world right now, something that social media is taken away from us, and that is patience. We need to get have more patience for stuff like this because the slow burn is there for a reason. You can't have everything which you want exactly when you want it. You got to wait for it. And it trust me, it rewards. This episode of WandaVision was so awesome. They kind of captured the late 70s uh, TV style. So you got the you got the Brady Bunch. The, the, it, it was partly Brady Bunch, partly uh, what was it? It was partly Brady Bunch and partly Partridge Family style. You know, the with the colorization, look, I'm, like I'm watching it right now on my screen. And damn that Agnes. We're going to talk about her. <laughs> We're going to talk about Agnes, bro. Um, so this one was also because if you guys remember at the end of season, uh, I'm sorry, episode two, um, Wanda was miraculously pregnant out of the blue. Like her name was Sister Mary. <laughs> and all of a sudden, which a lot of people are, you know, it's a big, the whole thing is a big tease because those who read the comic books know that, um, that Scarlet Witch actually has kids and both of them, they actually, um, they hold the children. Uh, give me a sec. Cause I know one of them is Wiccan and yeah, Wiccan is one, which, uh, he became an Avenger later on. And it was another one as well. Uh, they, they were twins too. So 
this episode is clearly talking about the pregnancy, but it's now in the it's now been revisioned because if you guys remember, it was in black and white in the last episode and they went color colorized. And it was like late 60s, early 70s coloration style of film uh, of TV sitcoms. And now we have that. And so now they it starts off with a doctor trying to see how she became four months pregnant and not only is she pregnant but the pregnancy is disrupting her powers here so that's one of the things that's happening and at the same time it is also it basically is fritzing everything of our powers and it's preparing her to have these kids she she ends up having these kids but before that she's trying to keep it a secret because nobody in the neighborhood really knows that she's pregnant let alone that she has powers and you know vision is trying to keep it too take note that vision and wanda are now looking like they're from the late 60s early 70s right now vision with his new hairstyle and everything it's pretty awesome it is pretty like they've like acting wise they do a tremendous job here and now you got all these neighbors you got these different neighbors and everything some of which you remember from the previous episodes um agnes is one of them who keeps reoccurring and i kept saying she's reoccurring for a reason so the the premise of this episode is basically to get them to understand why they're pregnant but also keep it a secret and then you have geraldine who actually is monica rambeau the daughter of um the rambo uh, the daughter of uh carol danvers best friend on in the captain marvel movie now grown up she's caught up in here for some reason she's a part of this whole thing she's kind of wanda's best friend in this version and she tries to help her well she tries to help her you know you know get a job oh i should say i should actually say basically not wanda but um geraldine she geraldine's trying to get a job she needs help she wants wanda to help her wanda's trying to keep the secret and everything going on here and basically it, if you've seen this you've seen this type of uh formulaic type of uh storytelling and writing in all these early 60s late uh late 60s early 70s type of sitcoms and the i, the, I love the way they filmed it again it's in four three aspect ratio too so it really gives that authentic that authenticity of what it looks like and i i gotta point out the the aspect ratio here because it changes at the end of this episode and it's really it's pretty cool it's pretty cool i don't know they they said they spent 225 million to make this entire series i'm still at this point trying to see what needed 225 million to make this movie because i mean to make this uh series because right now i i feel like i'm pretty sure they can do what they're doing right now with a lower budget but uh, we still got many episodes to go but what they're doing right now is absolutely fantastic um seeing the special effects of uh vision going from human form and then transferring forming back in um uh, to his normal humanoid form it's pretty cool it's pretty awesome um but it really things start to turn when memories started coming back and when she had there's a part where she actually finally has the kids she gets up she has the kids in the span of like 22 minutes which is like the normal time of any sitcom tv show she has the kids and she starts talking wanda starts talking about her brother 
Petrov, who is Quicksilver, who we actually, you know, who we've seen on Age of Ultron. And a lot of the a lot of the anti a lot of the situations and references from here are directly from Age of Ultron. Um in particular the commercial this time, which is a t absolutely Hydra based. Um it's a mention of Hydra. So I don't know. I feel like I still feel like these are just fragments of our memory that is coming back and that are trying to alert her. And we uh and it, other people are thinking that it's something else or somebody else. Sword is still a play in this whole thing, so we don't know what the hell is going on here. But there was also a part where Vision started remembering things, and they what they did was awesome. I love this because I used to do this when I was a kid when I used to edit, and basically Vision started putting things in her head like something is not right, something is not the way it should be, and all of a sudden you see this glitch on the tv and i had to ask people did you also get that glitch <laughs> did you also get that glitch on the tv just in case in case it was a glitch on my part no everybody got it so it was intentional and it just reminded me when i had you know if for those of you who are old enough in the 40s or whatever like that you had to have like a vcr some of you had a dual vcr and when you have a dual vcr and you want to start editing things like when i used to have i used to tape transformers episodes all the time or G.I. Joe episodes or anything like videos, like music videos and all the stuff on, on the video jukebox and all the stuff. <laughs> Shout out to everybody who remember that. Um, and basically, when I used to want to splice things, I had to literally you get a pair of scissors, cut it and get scotch tape or magic tape together to like thinly tape it together to make sure it all stays in and then put it back in. And what happens is you actually edit or if you have a dual VCR, you can also, you know, kind of edit things at the right time to get to make sure that fade to black kicks in at, at the right moment. So you won't get the commercials at all. And you just go transition right over to the other uh, scene without any commercials. This is before VHS people and before they started learning how to do things better. We had to we had to do it our own way. So that's exactly what they did. It was it was basically a splicing of the of the tape or film that they did and it, it basically started all over again. So the second time around, Vision didn't say a thing and they just went on went on board and started talking about other things. So you knew something was was going on, but you already knew that from the get-go. But it was it wasn't until Geraldine aka Monica remembered that Quicksilver was killed by Ultron and that snapped Wanda out immediately and all of a sudden she kept asking her what she was what she said and Geraldine was like no that I said something else I said something else my uh you know Wanda was not having it next thing you know Vision comes in asks where's uh Geraldine and Wanda says she had to go this was the awesome part of this episode because as we now go into a modern era, the 4-3 ratio, aspect ratio turns into... Oh, God. I, I, before we do that, I do. I, I mentioned the, the Hydra episode. I failed to mention that they were paying uh, tribute to the Calgon Take Me Away commercial 
And I don't, again, if you're not, you know, a lot of you who may be listening may not be old enough to know this, but there was a, com- a really famous, legendary, iconic commercial back in the day with a product called Calgon, which was like some bath soap or something like that. And they were marketing it for women who went through a lot of stressful days or whatever like that. And whenever they were stressed, they would say, Calgon, take me away. They did exactly that, except the product was called Hydra something. So it was pretty awesome. So again, there's the lead into, uh, to the hydra aspect of this whole thing so what we don't know if they're connected or just just a fragment uh, a fragment of our memory coming back but the basic situation is um we see the aspect ratio go from four three which is the normal old school you know mercury tube size that we used to have for black and white tvs and you know more modern color tvs back then to the letterbox style which you guys if you don't know what that is the letterbox uh dimensions is when you see certain movies have a certain dimension of film of footage that is shown and then you got two black bars one on top and one at the bottom so it's not like the 169 aspect ratio that you would see on most hd or 4k tvs now this is this letterbox was new thing after a while so we saw we see that and we see more modern things and we see we now see Monica in the in this other world with this all these militant troops or whatever that could look like shield. It looks like it could be sword. It looks like it could be anybody. But she's now back in the real world. So at this point, they don't really show if Wanda actually understands or knows what's going on. They're leading that open for the other episodes coming up. But that's how it ended off. And now she has their kids she has these two kids i don't know if they're going to go to the the late 70s to the 80s now because they also now have i know they're, they're going to uh pay tribute and uh homage to family ties as well and other shows like that in the 80s so we got a long way to go we got a long way to go but it's already picking up so for those who may not understand you know they understand or respect the what they're doing with this i think this is awesome i i, I think it's a it's a generational thing i i really really love these paying tribute to these old shows that i used to that i grew up on i didn't i wasn't born around the, the times of some of these uh shows that when they came out that they're referencing from but i used to watch the the reruns of the stuff because that's all that was on this was back then where there was only three channels folks there was only abc nbc and cbs there was no hbo there was no um cinemax there was no epics or any of those or star or any of those channels that we have now bet's or mtv's or whatever three channels that lasted from like there was no such thing as cable back then cable didn't come into like way 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 later and even then back then it was only hbo and a channel that was called prism prism died a a long time ago and was defunct a long time ago and then showtime came somewhat after and really kind of changed the game from there and and, it gave uh hbo something to to rival with because those two had some pretty uh interesting forms of content especially if you were a young teenager growing up and had cable in his room uh hours so now this episode really picked up on things um now the episode entitled now in color it's a game changer. I forgot about the Stark. <laughs> there was the Stark that was actually, uh, you know, in the room indicating that, you know, it's time to have this kid. And while Wanda was trying to take care of um, 
while Wanda was trying to, you know, keep her pregnancy a secret from Monica, even though she was like already from she she transformed from four months to nine months pregnant at this point so things were really getting crazy at this point and i'm i'm so interested in seeing where this is going to turn out to the uh what part does agnes play in this i swear to goodness i know i think she's a member of um of sword as well like a legit member of sword here's the thing also is because there was one scene i forgot to mention where vision is outside and it's agnes and the tall black guy that was in the black and white episode now in the this episode but with the afro now and they're asking as to where monica is at and vision saying she's in the room with uh she's in uh she's in the room with um wanda in our in their house and why was there any concern and they were like oh you know because she's new and they tried to you know give her they tried to give her, uh, you know, give Vision a hint that she was kind of weird and strange and you you need to look out for her or whatever like that. So there was a lot to this. There's absolutely a lot to this, man. I, I love all the episodes that have come so far because I know there's something bigger coming. A lot of a lot of the suspicion. I think it's definitely sword from obvious um, situations, but other people are also thinking because of the twins uh in here and everything because of the tie uh, the ties that are being connected to this to the new doctor strange um movie which is going to cover him uh them in the multiverse and she's going to be a part of that a lot of people are aiming at the name of mephisto and that's a very interesting because there was a storyline quite similar to this going on right here that involved mephisto and involved the kids and whatnot here's my take on it and they could be right I don't think that's the case because they added sword into this and sword is being asked and mentioned so much and even monica when wanda started questioning her had the sword logo as a pendant in her neck i don't think mephisto is a part of this at least not this he, he could it very well be something in the new doctor strange uh movie that's coming up but that also you got bear mardu who's going to be back in that series too so i don't know how that's going to play as well so i think sword is the big uh catalyst of this whole thing i think they're the big focus of this i think that um agnes maybe you know abica um abigail brand who is i believe the leader of the of sword i think she's much bigger uh than what she's leading on to be in this and she's expected to be in every episode virtually every episode up um till at least to the end and it's going to be very interesting how monica plays in this as well so um i don't think the kids are real i don't think vision is real that's just my take i think she's envisioning all of this and unfortunately it'll be cool if they could factor vision in to come back i think we're in for a heartbreak I think we're in for a huge heartbreak. That's why I don't want to make suggestions. I want to be wrong in a way that these kids are real and Vision is real as well. I don't think that is the case because you don't have kids rapidly the way it is happening here. So <laughs> it just happened. And, and how Marvel Studios have done what they've done up to this point, it would be really interesting to add Mephisto in this in such a weird fashion. So, but we see, we'll see. I mean, I, I would never discount the Marvel Studios from bringing in anybody because they've done it greatly in here. So 
Um, we'll see for now, but I, I, three episodes in, I am still excited about what's going on here. And I am looking forward to seeing what's really going on. This, the tease is real. The tease is so real. So, uh, who we got was, uh, nine episodes and we got six more to go. I hate the fact that they're a half hour. Cause it's just such a tease. It is such a tease. So Folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and review the latest DC animated movie entitled Batman Soul of the Dragon. If you are a 70s fan of uh, 70s flicks and black exploitations and a fan of Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon, you're going to love this. We'll talk about that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all... All of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! Folks, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is my review of the latest DC animated film entitled Batman Soul of the Dragon. Uh, A movie that... An animated movie, I should say, that if you are a person of my age or even older you will appreciate this the same way you will appreciate watching everything that they're doing with wandavision and there seems to be a retro theme to this uh episode this this talk time episode today and i didn't really put two and two together talking about wandavision now i'm talking about uh batman soul of the dragon but there is a huge retro aspect to this uh movie and it is uh it's actually based around the 70s and with that you get the 70s style of filming and which includes a lot of 70s style music and themes and the old campy martial arts you know style of filming and stuff but not really in a sense of campiness when i talk about it because not all martial arts films in the 70s were were great but not all of them were bad either one in particular is legendary and that's what this movie that's what Soul of the Dragon basically is uh, focusing itself on. And I was really surprised and kind of disappointed that they didn't really tr- like reference or mention it in their documentary that they did. If you bought the if you bought the digital version or if you bought the, the DVD version, which is, I believe, coming out in the 26th. I got the digital version on uh, iTunes. They have the extras where they show the the. Um, they talk about some of the influences that they have and i'll talk about that in a little bit more in detail later on but they never mention they mentioned them into the dragon but not the person behind it and that's like robert close robert close directed into the dragon and michael allen written it and if you if you've ever watched bruce lee's into the dragon which is absolutely iconic and legendary for so many reasons and this 
and soul of the dragon really captures on a lot of that by some of the characters that they created where made to look like some of the characters from into the uh from enter the dragon but they never mention the name of robert close and how he put that movie together because in this movie soul of the dragon first of all, let's go with the storyline here and i'll read it all from imdb because they they say it a lot better than i could probably describe it right now batman bronze tiger lady shiva and richard dragon joins forces uh when they come across come to realize that they share a common acquaintance the martial artist uh the martial arts master i should say that trained them has been missing for a number of years under the mysterious circumstances uh so i'm sorry under mysterious circumstances that they mention in the movie when a cursed relic resurfaces the mysterious uh the mystery of the of their dead master reopens and batman and his former classmates must face off against the ultimate test of their martial arts skills to kill and gain control of the dangerous relic so how they filmed this they filmed this in almost exactly the way that it was filmed to enter the dragon you got every character that are coming together well if you remember enter the dragon was based on bruce lee going in and entering this tournament to find out the whereabouts of han's evil you know deeds or whatever like that like everything that he was doing from drug trafficking and all this stuff it was always believed but he's in an island where the laws don't matter to them so he's he's distance from island and they needed somebody to go in there to infiltrate all of that to make sure so interpol can come in and you know you know get and arrest him for all of the stuff that he's been doing bruce lee was their man this one had different this one was kind of similar in a way that you had um richard dragon richard dragon by the way in the comics i believe is a villain like a lot of the characters that they have working with bruce in here is a villain i believe i don't i can't i never known about lady shiva but bronze tiger absolutely um bronze tiger who is played by once again michael jai white who has played bronze tiger in arrow so he's reprising his role on there but playing sort of a 70s version of of that character this time around so you got richard dragon who also is a character that was in arrow but as a one of the major bad guys of, of one of the seasons um really really a good villain uh, in that series as well but he's now good all of these guys are good guys so like working with bruce wayne in this in this case because they all were trained by the same master as i mentioned on the story to on the storyline of this they all meet up richard dragon meets up with bruce but it leads into a flashback and this this is the part where kind of you paid the tribute is being paid to how robert close uh klaus is actually filmed because in enter the dragon they have these flashbacks too and every time you know like say jim kelly meets up with um jim kelly plays williams on enter the dragon meets up with roper who are supposed to be best friends and they kind of they kind of had these flashback moments that gives you a backstory of what why these are people are together and all this stuff right here and it really plays out really well they do the same thing here to that so i would like i said i was really surprised that like when i watched the batman raw groove documentary they never mention it and, and, and again I'll, I'll go into detail with that then you have mark uh, dukakis who i this dude is awesome he's played in so many great movies um he was on john wick 3 
He also was Jimmy Lee on Double Track, and I should point that out. You got to go through it to get to get to the better. He also played for Hawaii Five O for those who are fans of that series. Um, he he does really well as Richard uh, Dragon here, and I thought he did a great job here. Kelly Who, who also has been known to play on Arrow as well. So you got like three Arrow, you know, um, characters in here as well. But she's not playing what she played on there. I forgot who uh, the name of the um, person that she played on Arrow, but she here she's Lady Shiva who is a known character in the DC uh, comic book universe. Uh, so you have that. You also got the legendary James Hong playing uh, O Sensei, who is the teacher who is training Bruce, Richard, Lady Shiva, Ben, Jade, and Rip Jagger. Uh, Jade played by Jamie Chung, uh, who is just absolutely awesome. I love her and everything she's in. Uh, again, I, the first time I ever saw her was Chi Chi on... <laughs> she was chi chi on dragon ball evolution and i think she was the only thing that was worth watching on that movie <laughs> at all uh but she played in a ton of other movies as well and tv shows including lovecraft country which she did absolutely awesome in that uh, movie i'm um, sorry tv show <laughs> and they always switch between the two ah freudian uh, slip but you know she was in there as well uh you got uh chris cox who played um rip jagger who is a another dc character he was he's the uh what they call him the judo master in the dc universe absurd absurd one of like dc um dc comics his most absurd characters i can say the least on that one i guess he was supposed to be like their version of iron fist i don't know who came first but the costume that he had compared to iron fist costume iron fist blows him out of the water in terms of fashion <laughs> if you will like like uh nah I'm I'm, yeah, I'm I'm saying this Iron Fist's costume wasn't nothing to snare at either but if you compare the two together like Iron Fist wins on that new um so you had him in there and just a whole bunch of other really cool characters Greg Griffin played Lady Eve in here which was awesome uh and she was also played the prostitute in there as well oh jeez I swear to goodness the um they they really did a really great job with this patrick uh sees play uh king snake in the nightclub bouncer now the nightclub bouncer this was interesting the nightclub bouncer was made to look like exactly like the um the character uh ohara and into the dragon played by robert wall so that was a bit of a tribute there he i love that character in that movie so he the, the bouncer was awesome there so but you had all these other great great characters here the cobra cult which is also a group a sort of a hydra like group that was in the dc universe probably like a uh, a small minor ver uh team and uh group in that comic book series was in here was the main uh antagonist in this uh, whole entire thing so he was a whole he was that was basically the means of their journey to try to stop them from taking the sword that was given to uh, Lady Shiva and this whole entire thing so they're on this journey and they go through all of the cliche formulaic things that you would ever see in every 70s uh, action film or martial arts film or whatever like that it was pretty cool uh, having and, and what was also cool too is that the main characters were all diverse you had Bruce who was Caucasian you had uh, Richard Dragon in this case uh, who was Asian Lady Shiva Asian um, Ben Turner, aka Bronze Tiger, who was black, and you had 
Rip Jagger, I believe, was a white too. But Jade was like, so you had a you had a a multiple mix of group. No, they didn't have more than just one black person, unfortunately. But it was for the it was really well rounded, I would say, in this one. And it, it, it but it played to exactly what the theme of the movie does because it was always one black person, in in a uh, film that was supposed to be a white uh, antagonist in there too. But I think I thought they balanced it pretty well. Um, a lot of cool things going on in this movie. I think the, the other thing that I was, I didn't realize that they also pay tribute to as well. Cause Bruce Tim made whose fingertips, whose fingerprints uh, is all over this uh, entire thing. He mentioned that they were paying uh, homage to enter the dragon and a movie that I'm probably the only person that didn't really like, <laughs> but understand why people liked it at the time big trouble little china so you do see you do see like uh hybrid aspects of both movies in there because you got the over the top uh over the top situations and spiritualities and, and mystic mysticisms of big uh, trouble little china but you also have the martial arts virtue virtuous type of uh storytelling of enter the dragon in here as well and they they managed to mix and mash them together very fluidly to create something really cool and fun you know taking out the see the only thing for those who don't know and for those of our, who are probably listening to this right now who've never heard me say this i was not a fan i i watched big trouble little china and i was not a fan of that movie and of course i looked at it i i never saw it when i was a kid i saw big trouble little china no more than like maybe three years ago so I'm seeing it from modern day eyes. I'm seeing the narrative. I'm seeing the the character development and everything from it. And I watched it and I'm like, I don't understand the premise of what's going on. Nothing is making sense. The only thing that I think people were actually digging at the time because it was so new, Big Trouble in Little China, as campy as it is and corny as it could be, it provided an entire nuance of filmmaking that I think nobody at that time has ever seen before. You had, which also a lot of, it, it's, it, it inspired Raiden from uh, Mortal Kombat as well, because you had that that um, that martial arts master who was uh, pro projecting uh, electricity or lightning from his hands or whatever like that. And he had the, he had the traditional hat that, they, that uh, Raiden wears. And that's all people remembered about that. They never talked about the storytelling, the dialogue, anything about it. They only talk about the special effects and over the top spectacle that this movie was. But if you take the goggles off, this movie did not do, it was not a good movie. It's the only movie that I feel deserves a reboot, an absolute reboot, man, because I think that this is a movie that can be done better and be appreciated better it was always rumored that they were going to do this it's still of course we don't know if it's ever going to be done or if it's going to be done like anytime soon especially due with everything with covid and everything but i would love for them to reboot this if all anything that needs rebooting i think this is the only thing that i felt that needs rebooting but which they took out of that they they managed to use all the the um, mysticism and, and spectacle of 
Big Trouble Little China, bring it into this film, but use it with a better storyline, better character development, better dialogue, everything. It's just so much better. Uh, and I thought they did a great job with this. Um, all of the, the performances and everything was done well. I loved everything about it. I uh, watched it twice so far, and I thought they, it was it was greatly done. I thought it was absolutely greatly done here. So, if you have not seen this movie, if you I, and, and by the way, I definitely thought that this was better than um, Death in the Family. I thought they Death in the Family could have been really well done, but I think they dropped the ball in so many ways, and a lot of people thought that too. And there was a lot of reviews out of that that. So one of the, it was one of the, my least favorite Batman movies, and it actually had elements of one of my best Batman um, movies that they came out with, and um, which involved Red Hood. <laughs> so it it was like one of those things that didn't need to happen. So I I I was not for that, but Solo the Solo the Dragon. When I first saw the preview of this, I'm like, this looks like it's going to be interesting. You're bringing. Uh, Bruce Wayne into the 70s and is telling a really cool story and even the box art the 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 box art for um if you look at the box art for Batman Soul of the Dragon it was made I don't know if it was painted or whatever by the same person who did Enter the Dragon but it was made to look exactly like that of Enter the Dragon and give you that feel so you knew exactly what they were going with with this um in this phase like there are different versions of Enter the Dragon posters out there but it's one in particular that everybody goes to and they captured it really well in here and i like the fact that you had bruce who played a character who was like the least apparently he was the least skilled martial artist out of the four but when he put on the batman <laughs> costume and, and and the cape and cow he became like the best of the bunch they never stressed whether he learned ninjutsu or anything else outside of the uh, practice that he did with the with the other four or the other three or the other six actually um but you know it, it it's evident that like when he put on that cape and cow in the costume he was a whole nother man and it was awesome i also like the fact that uh lady shiva went at later on became one of the biggest crime bosses in the in the city so and one of the most feared people in the city so much so that even bruce was like i'm not ready to face her yet and Lady Shiva did not even know that he was Batman. So I don't, it leaves an open-ended type of situation. I'm like, okay, once their situation is over, what is that going to lead them to? You know, are they going to be enemies or which, what's the deal with that? Bronze Tiger as well. We know what happens with Bronze Tiger and Richard Dragon. So all of these are just like, this is a big connection leading into something else, you know? But I, the bad part is I don't think we're going to get a follow-up to this because the situation is that we all know that batman is the enemy of all of these people <laughs> and i you know at this one point in time they end up you know frenemies at, at best <laughs> but that respect each other really well because of their uh past so the main villain in this was really awesome too and i forgot the name of who he uh was in here um i don't know if it was shanglin frost let me look that up the one thing I didn't check out in here. No, Shangla Frost was the uh Faust was the guy with the um with the uh snake fingers and the snake arms or whatever like that. That's who he was. They don't credit who the 
Kai was, and who was the main villain in here. That's weird. Because the main villain became, who was the leader of the Cobra Cult, was made to be like a uh, Manson type of uh, guy with a cult-like group of people, who, and he sacrificed everybody in there. So they were, they were capturing that essence as well. Um, really weird that they didn't add him onto the list here. Let me see. King Foss, Nightclub Bouncer, Jagger, X Gang Leader. Nah, not at all. That's really, really weird. But, nonetheless, this was a great movie, greatly done. And, you know, I, I thought it was awesome. I think this is a one time deal. And uh, if it was, it was great. I just, it was just really let us left us open ended as to what's going to happen with certain characters in the show. Um, like I said, I talked about the extras in here as well. The extras was basically having you preview other things, but also talking about the actual uh, essence of what they were referencing and why and what they were influenced by to make uh, Solo Dragon. Honestly, I wasn't really a fan of the. I didn't really enjoy the documentary as much because there was a lot. Of, there were certain things that bothered me about it. They talked about um, the explosion of gritty cinema and kung fu films of that, but they also talked about what was going on during the seventies and stuff like that. And the thing that I thought that was irrelevant from it was that a lot of what they were talking about that was going on in the seventies which did happen in the 70s, you know, talking about war, Vietnam, stuff like that, um, you know, racism, black exploitation films and all that stuff. Some of what they were talking about didn't really connect to what was going on in the movie and why, you know, like there was no mention of war. There was no mention of Nixon. There was none of that. So like you never got an idea of any of that going on in the film, in the film, like, no, like, they never mentioned Nixon, they never mentioned the Vietnam War, they never mentioned, there was no mention of racism at all, and it was like, okay, but what about the film? What about the film? Why, like, they, they, it was a 30-minute documentary, and I felt like with that time that they used to talk about the irrelevant 70s that didn't have anything to do with the film, per se, I would have rather have heard from the cast especially especially when talking about black exploitation films because you had um jeremy adams in here who was one of the writers who is yeah one of the writers of the uh of soul of the dragon talk about black exploitation films and i'm like oh god it's, i felt like he was white explaining black exploitation films to a whole crowd of people when you had michael jai white who was the writer of black dynamite and it was the star of black dynamite which was one of the best perfectly told comedies based upon a black exploitation film so i mean granted they had him on here as bronze tiger again but if anybody could talk about black exploitation films or just have some type of you know black input in here at least you could have had Michael Jai White talk about it and his experience with this in accordance to experiences with doing black exploitation films and you know and studying stuff like that. They never did that. And I was they didn't have Kelly Who in here, they didn't have um they didn't have any of the cast here. David uh Goentelli, you know, I would have loved to hear from the cast and their take on them 
portraying these characters in a 70s, you know, type of way. I would have loved that. And we didn't. We got all of the people. We got Bruce Tim. We got, you know, uh, Jeremy Adams talking about, you know, what was going on in the 70s. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool, but in a sense not because it they never really connected what that part of the 70s had to do with their movie. And it really didn't have anything to do, in my opinion. Um, I, I, you know, I, w- I would love to hear from the cast in this. So to me, I, I would kind of fell off and didn't for them to talk about, you know, a little bit about black exploitation films and how, you know, the black community at the time were really into uh, kung fu films and all this stuff and in martial arts films. I mean, true, but I would I would love a little bit more in depth information from it because Jeremy Adams just seemed like he came off like one of the guys who kind of talks about what he thinks he knows about that era and genre and ideology but it shouldn't come out from him he shouldn't be the one talking about it in a sense like I'm sure he probably knows some information some research but that empathy that empathetic feel to it I don't know I I, I don't know just didn't feel right to, to hear this whole entire explanation being done of what the 70s were from the perspective of you know a whole white group of uh people and i'm not i'm not totally like you know vilifying them in a sense i just would have loved to hear more you know perspectives from more than just a, an entire white group of people that were talking in this thing kelly who especially you know james hong you know i would love to because they all lived around that time they had different experiences of their own time you know it was to me it just would i would have loved that better and it kind of turned me off a little bit from the movie itself but and also the fact that they never mentioned um you know the the direction the who the directors and the people responsible for into the dragon which this movie was clearly based on and they mentioned a small smidget of into the dragon but not enough in terms of how they filmed it what they were filming the 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 flashbacks the, the style of how they did the flashbacks which was exactly like the way the into the dragon was done I would absolutely love to see all of that, but we didn't get it. So it was kind of, and from that aspect, it was kind of let down. Um, what I liked better was the sneak peek of the next animated film that um, is coming out soon, uh, which is Justice Society World War II. And this one looks awesome. And if you liked what they did with Superman Son of Tomorrow in terms of um, character design, you're gonna love what they did with this because they it looks like they use the same character design uh from that movie and is gonna be on this one movie and this is gonna star wonder woman pretty much as the leader of the justice society and them fighting you know it's gonna be um them hawkman uh uh the the uh, the original flash uh black canary and our man who we actually got a chance to see in star girl so this is going to be pretty awesome i'm liking where this is going and i'm i'm looking forward to it it looks awesome i don't they didn't say when it was coming out but they had like a it was like a nine minute sneak preview of what to expect and everything and what you know what was going on in that time so you know i love it but uh in terms as far as uh as far as batman solo the dragon if i give this a grade gotta give it an a i gotta give it an a um they did a great job sam lou did a great job directing us uh bruce tim putting his fingerprints all on this jeremy uh 
it definitely uh, Jeremy uh, Adams writing a really cool script. Credit to him as well. I, I thought they did a great job with this. Uh, I enjoyed it. I watched it twice. Enjoyed it the second time as well. So go out of your way and check it out. It is worth watching. It's still one. It's still on a level. Not the best Batman mo uh, movie I've ever seen by far, uh, but definitely in the mix of one of the good ones. Definitely in the mix of one of them. But there's so many damn Batman movies out there. One of these days, I just got to do a top ten or top five of those movies because it's just so many i really need dc to focus more on other movies based on other stars i mean and they're doing this here with um justice society world war ii and it's going to be mostly focusing on wonder woman and the rest of them they need to make more of these because we need there there are more superheroes in the dc comics universe other than um than batman Batman cannot be the the poster child for everybody, or even Superman for that matter. And I would say Wonder Woman, but she hasn't got nearly enough uh, movies out there to really say it. I think she has maybe two, three animated movies of standalone movies of her own. I think maybe this might be three or four. It's still not enough. I mean, we need more. We there's there were some Green Lantern movies that were out. There were some other ones. You know, give give other ones a chance. I think the the Ray short uh, series that they came out with a while back that was connected to the Crisis on Earth X uh, series was awesome. So I mean, they, they can do it. They just have to want to do it. So we'll see, folks. That will do it for this episode of Talk Time Live. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you get a chance to check it out as well. Uh, the disc version, I believe, is coming out this Tuesday, the 26th. Uh, the digital is out now if you're a digital downloader like myself. And they do, if you get the iOS version, you will get the extras, such as the behind-the-scenes stuff and everything like that. So go out of your way and check it out. Uh, speaking of the 26th, you know what else comes out that day? Uh, the damn game i've been waiting <laughs> to play for quite some time by yacht club games and that is cyber shadow that is coming out this tuesday for the nintendo switch and i believe other consoles as well uh will i get a chance to play it enough to review it we'll see that may be the focal point but i will tell you this um i will repost and re-up the interview i had with uh yacht club games in in regards to that as well because that was a great conversation talking about the coming of this game which oh my god i can't even tell you how long ago that interview was because i've had so many other interviews with people prior to but um you'll be hearing the interview i had with david d'angelo of yacht club games as we're talking about cyber shadow as well as shovel knight as well because that's the that is the game that brought him to this table um if you don't know about cyber shadow cyber shadow especially if you're a fan of ninja gaiden it's eight it's their take on a ninja gaiden type of game and it is involving this uh cyborg that is a cyborg um that is a ninja and that's pretty much i'm going to stop from there ninja cyborg that's all you need from there you'll learn more about it in the interview you also learn more about it when it comes out on the 26th so go out of your way to check it out also you want to check out this episode and all of our other episodes you could go to talktomlive.com check out it check all of them out there you never miss a beat there you can also easily find our exclusive interviews with over 50 of your favorite artists game developers um actors of all of your favorite animes and movies 
You go to TalkTimeLive.com, you hit on the TalkTime Live exclusive tab at the top, and you'll see the list of all of the people that I had the pleasure of talking to. I'm talking Ruben um, Langdon, the voice of Dante from Devil May Cry. You got some uh, Amanda C. Miller, who is the voice of Baruto in Sailor Jupiter, a host of others. Um, even some people you might... Danielle Kennedy from Narcos, an American Horror Story. Um, great friend of mine. I had a chance to talk to her there. Um, like I said, game developers from every place, artists from all places, even uh, music um, music artists as well, uh, recording artists as well, like Mega Ran. Um, none like Joshua. You got uh, Felix Dongato also uh, came up in here, stopped by. I'm, I'm very grateful to have all these people in here. Um, Jeffrey Thorne, who is the writer producer showrunner of avengers black panthers quest that was on disney uh xd and on disney plus by the way you can watch it there as well one of the better seasons of avengers i might say and he is now the uh producer and I, i'm not sure if he's the showrunner but he's the producer of the uh spinoff to to uh power which is ghost with starring method man and uh mary j blige so he is on there and if i correct if you guys remember he announced that on this show as well before the show ever came on so awesome go out of your way to check it out it's a lot of great episodes molly flanagan is, uh, is of course is on here as well uh just a lot of great people chris battle uh the teen titans go character designer the guy responsible for those really hilarious super deformed uh character designs that you see on teen titans go he's the guy from there as well so tons of different interviews for you to check out and enjoy there um and they're free they're all free so you can go check it out there and it, if you're an aspiring actor artist game developer why not check out the talk time live exclusive interviews there you will not miss a beat there so you could go there and if you want to subscribe and download and never miss a beat you could also go to all of the top uh podcast platforms such as spotify iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher Podbean, tune in audible now uh as well as pocket cast and pandora all there for you never miss a beat there so folks thank you again and thank you for being a part of this uh journey of mine and this and just enjoying everything that i have to put out for there and god you never know who's coming next and i keep saying that only because i'm working on some really interesting people to come on this show this year some people have never been on talk time live before and fingers crossed they're coming so folks thank you and I hope that you all be safe and continue to be safe out there. So that'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great day. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.